podcast is brought to you by the good people over at Gamefly. With over 9,000 titles for the PS4, PS3, Xbox One, Xbox 360, Nintendo Switch, Wii, and other consoles, there's no better time for gamers to make the most of their systems by using Gamefly to play all the new and classic games for as little as 32 cents a day. To start your 30-day free trial, head on over to cinemageekly.com slash Gamefly or click the support us link in the show notes for this episode. You're listening to a podcast from the Cinema Geekly Podcast Network. We're the geeks you deserve and the ones you need right now. Never saw the sun shining so bright. Never saw things going so right. Noticing the days hurrying by. When you're in love, my how they fly, oh blue skies, smiling at me, nothing but blue skies do I see. It's a brand new episode of I'm a Doctor, Not a Podcast, Cinema Geekly Star Trek Podcast. It's the Chief Petty Officer, Anthony Lewis, uh, joined by the Fleet Admiral himself, Ben Knight. Ben, how are you? I'm good. I'm sat in a hotel room in Brighton on the south coast of England, looking out across a pier uh, that has a helter skelter and a... <laughs> can't really see what that is. Various things. And calm seas. And hey. I'm reflecting upon the fact that I'm a fleet admiral, and in the world, in the world of Trek, like Eastern, means something. But it feels like admiral. Like everyone's an admiral these days. Have you noticed? Everyone's getting admiral ships. Yeah, mm. just passing them out. Mm. Yeah, you know. But other than that, I'm good. How are you? Uh, I'm doing pretty good. Uh, the day we've long awaited has finally arrived. Oh, that show's been on, hasn't it? Star Trek Picard. Yes. Yeah, uh, John, I'll tell you what. I'll watch it with the sound off in the background whilst I'm talking to you. <laughs> well, I'll do a running commentary as it goes. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Look, we haven't done this before. <laughs> we haven't done a show like this before. It's a it's a new track. Let's 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 do a new <laughs> review style. Let's just do live commentary. Um, before we uh, before we talk about the the premiere episode, uh, do we even want to bother talking about uh, the Children of Mars short track? I know we said we'd talk about it, but it was mm. very short, and I'm, it does loosely tie in to yeah uh, to the show. We know that shit went down involving synths, yes. which feels like that's probably a racist term for androids. Yes. So, yeah. <laughs> which, you know, did, the Children of Mars didn't really tell us a great deal more than that, other than the fact that 
that got Picard all up in everyone's face. Yeah. And stuff. What we got was uh, Ch- Children of Mars was a story of two different girls from two different backgrounds, but their common uh, their commonality was that they both had parents who worked uh, on Mars. And mm. uh, they were uh, assholes to each other while uh, David Bowie's Heroes played in the background. Well, some, not David Bowie's version, but somebody... A really who, awful version of it, yeah. Yeah, it was one of those, like, the dark version of a song where it's kind of sung creepily, but... Yeah, I'm this surprised was... John Lewis haven't used it for a Christmas advert yet. <laughs> uh, look, I don't know why they played this over what was happening in the scenes. It's to make it poignant. Sorry, I'm just supping on a gin and tonic as I recline in my seat by the window overlooking me to see. Uh, it's it's to make it poignant. But is I it? <laughs> it didn't, yeah, well, it you didn't know. really. Like I felt like this song doesn't relate to what I'm seeing on the screen. But no, but it was said. It was sung slowly in a slightly melancholic way. Therefore, I guess you it, know, it, in, in that that's regard, how it works in TV production land. It does relate in that in that regard. Um, but yeah, it, it ends with what them... they should have done is a melancholic version of we uh, um, and uh, holding out for a hero. You know the Bonnie Tyler number. <laughs> yes, but done soundly. Brilliant, yeah, but done soundly, of course, yeah. Uh, it ends. The whole thing ends with them kind of coming together because uh, Mars does get attacked uh, during their day at school, and uh, they're seeing all the carnage. And then, of course, uh, Picard's face is being flashed on the screen as he's like commenting on on all of this but that was kind of it uh, we don't even know if these little girls play a part in the show like if how long is this how long has it been since this event and have they grown up enough to be characters in the show or were they literally just this is just a short that's a side to the main story that's happening yeah. and it just gave you a glimpse into events i'm pretty sure that's all this was was just gave us glimpse, like a glimpse into what yeah. the world is like. Um, so that takes us in to episode one of season one of Star Trek Picard. It's called Remembrance. And uh, I'm not going to go into who wrote this episode because there's like 12 names uh, written here. Oh, yeah. But uh, directed by uh, Hanel Culpepper and... I mean, he's back. He's back, Ben. Jean-Luc Picard has returned, and yeah. I got some questions, but <laughs> more importantly than that, I've got opinions about this show. Uh, let's talk about what happened in the episode. Uh, following <laughs> the Romulan supernova, which, by the way, you would only remember if you watched the J.J. Abrams Star Trek movie, where it is uh, talked about. That is a thing that happens. All the Star Trek online storylines that follow it. Yes, or if you've played Star Trek online as well. Um, but the... Which is heavily referenced in the show. So if you haven't, then you should probably go mm-hmm. back and get on with that. Um, but following this supernova, Admiral Jean-Luc Picard has resigned his commission from Starfleet in protest of their failure to save the lives of Romulan citizens. This was, in part, caused by an attack on the Confederated Martian colonies and the Utopia Planitia, uh, the shipyards, by synthetics, a.k.a. androids, and this would lead to a ban on them entirely. Picard retires to his country estate in Labar, France. 
Meanwhile, in Greater Boston, we meet Dodge, who uh, is enjoying an evening with her boyfriend. She tells him that she just got accepted to the Daystrom Institute, and uh, they're having friendly boyfriend-girlfriend banter. When, of course, this happens so many times to so many of us, Romulan assassins transport in and kill her boyfriend, and then they try to capture her, but before they can do anything, something activates in, inside of Dodge somehow, like she's John Wick, and she kills all these fools with relative ease. The file was under, don't you hate it, when that happens. Oh, all the time. Mm-hmm. Um she experiences visions of Captain Picard's face, or I guess I should call him Admiral Picard now. And yeah, steady. She now seeks him out after seeing him being interviewed on the Federation news network. Uh, Dodge finds sanctuary in the bar, but it's a failing network. It's a failing network. Terrible ratings. <laughs> Believe me, it's awful. It's failing, absolutely failing terrible. Network. Yes. Yeah. Fake news, even yeah. in the distant future. Um, mm. She uh, she seeks him out after seeing him being interviewed, of course, on this failing news network. And Dodge finds sanctuary in La Bar, France, but soon runs away out of fear of bringing harm to the Admiral. Picard calls on the Starfleet archives and discovers a painting that uh, Data had made 30 years previously entitled Daughter. And it bears uh, a strong resemblance to Dodge, let's, let's say. Uh, Dodge, meanwhile, tr- uh, manages to retrack down Picard uh, in San Francisco at Starfleet headquarters, but it proves to be a brief reunion as she is killed by the same assassin. Well, not the same exact assassins, but presumably assassins working for the same group. Perhaps the Tel Shiar, we don't know. Uh, but <sighs> she is killed uh, by these uh, Romulans, and Picard travels to the Daystrom Institute in Okinawa, Japan, and meets with Dr. Agnes Girati, who reveals that Dodge may in fact be Data's daughter through an experimental procedure known as fractal neuronic cloning. Hope everybody's writing this down. Uh, Which is a beautiful um, sort of linguistic construct for what it's supposed to be. I, mm-hmm. I don't know whether there's even a remote scientific theory behind that, but oh, it's a, it's a beautiful bit of fake science. It's lovely. Yes, uh, and this means, of course, she is an android, but with an organic body, but with a positronic brain. Uh, Dr. Gerardi reveals that this process also results in twins. Oh, it's not mentioned here in this paragraph, but uh, this is research done by Professor or Doctor or whatever his title is now, because it's many years have passed. Asshole Maddox. Bruce Maddox. Uh, Remember that guy? I hate that guy. Uh, Picard now determines that he needs to find this twin sister. The episode ends at a Romulan reclamation site where a Romulan named Narek meets with Soji Asher, who is in fact Dodge's twin. She works there. And uh, as they uh, pan out from this, the reclamation site, it turns out to be uh, the remnants of a Borg cube that the Romulans are salvaging for unknown purposes hmm. strategic uh, sheep purposes it's the same reason we've got the Falklands yes <laughs> what, what did you think of episode 1 Ben um, I like the fact that they resisted the I think almost always temptation now at the start of a new series to um, overload it 
this mm-hmm. had so this is this is named after Picard, who is an elder statesman of um, uh, of the Federation and whatever now. Yes. And it has the feeling of a show that is like an elder statesman of the, the CBS um, uh, Star Trek properties. Mm-hmm. It begins with a pace. I mean, it, it gives you a snapshot of the, basically what they're saying is when we do fighting and action scenes oh we're really gonna do them because some of them are superb there was only one ropey effect i saw in the whole thing mm-hmm. and that's the the big jump from um Darge up the steps towards the um presumably Toshia yeah. who are materializing that was the only ropey effect everything else yes was was beautiful mm-hmm. um the performance the kind of revival of picard is well, it's a testament to just how damn good an actor he is. Um, I was buying... Because you've got to remember, um, this dude is 79 years old in real life. Mm-hmm. And he goes from being a wholly believable that and then some to the moment when he gets off the sofa and says, effectively, yeah, I'm done with this. Let's go and crack on. Yes. Um, yep. And... It, I, you can feel the reinvigoration. Um, mm-hmm. I enjoyed... It, it's, it's What's really strange is that this feels like a huge television event, which it clearly is. Um, and there's a lot of people trying to get into Star Trek off the back of it. And so they know at CBS that they're going to have to bring some of these people with them. And so they're kind of trying not to make it too nerdy. There's no... I mean, there's lots of callbacks, of course, but they're really basic ones. So, the, you know, the, the references to the movies, the poker games, the the whatever. The, the, there's nothing complicated and, and like overtly nerdy within here. Yep. We know that this isn't Lal, the daughter. We know that this is, if it is Data's daughter, it's a different daughter. Mm-hmm. We know that, um, uh, you know, we, we know an awful lot of the content of this. But it's just gentle reminders that if somebody... In fact, I saw a conversation on Facebook this afternoon where someone was saying, oh, I asked my girlfriend, so tell me a bit about... And I think he was talking about the broad subject of tell me a bit about Jean-Luc Picard. And he says, two hours later, I now understand what the show's about. Um, and he's probably the biggest dive you've got to do if you're going to have to go back and learn something about the show. So two hours, if that's what it takes, I'm yeah. good with it. Um, I... I... I, I <laughs> I just really enjoyed it. It, it. It's clearly going to be political. This is a show that doesn't shy away. I mean, Star Trek's never shied away from being political. No. But what's interesting, and I think part of the reason why um, we've got the cast back that we've got, is that they clearly want to to take on sci-fi issues in the way that Star Trek does, yep. um, but in a way that, that differs from the way shows like Doctor Who are doing it, for example. Um, mm-hmm. It's going to be less trite. There are huge storylines to tell, because the Star Trek universe, more so than Star Wars, more so than, than Doctor Who, which is weird, given you know, the sort of relative um, sort of production houses behind all of these things. The Star Trek universe is vast. And so um, whether you think it's the Tel Shiar that are going to be the main antagonist here, for the record, I do. I mean, no one has mentioned yet that um, uh, Picard's home help, his housekeepers in the vineyard. Um, if you if you know your um, not strictly canon 
um, Star Trek Picard, you will realise his housekeepers are the two former Tel Shiar who um, helped him, uh, or, well, I won't ruin the story in case you've not seen it, but were involved in um, the evacuation before the Romulan um, homeworld was destroyed, before the, uh, uh, before the, the big disaster, of which um, I dare say we'll speak fairly soon. Yeah. Um, so we don't, we haven't heard any of that yet. We don't know how they came to be working for him, other than the fact that they felt they owed him. We don't know whether the Telshiar um, are the same people. In which case, are we going to see? Um, uh, are we going to see Sila, for example? Mm-hmm. Who, I mean, they she basically became their number one arch enemy uh, after the supernova. So. You know, there's so many things, and that brings back to the Iconian stuff, of course, by the way, incidentally, um, because, <laughs> well, again, if you've not played the game, you will not perhaps realise what the connection is between the Iconians and the surviving um, uh, Romulan, well, the surviving part of the Romulan Empire. There's so much stuff here, which is really exciting, and they could have, like, blurted so much, so much of this onto, a, like, 55 minutes, I guess, maybe, of television, yeah. whatever it is. And they didn't. It was so strained, almost frustratingly, mm-hmm. until you saw, to be blunt, the CBS and Amazon money that was on the table yeah. that made this a genuinely beautiful television experience. Um, I'm. I was hoping for something that would not make me sad and disappointed. Yeah. Um. I. I don't know whether you noticed and. I, actually, I know you, I know you did notice, but for those who are watching it in less than brilliant quality, and I'm sure there will be some around the world who are not watching it in full glorious HD, um, Data, as he appears in the dreams, yes, um, there is a visual difference. He's tweaked between each appearance. Mm-hmm. And the whole point is it's Picard's memory. It's him trying to bring it back into focus. Yep. So the first, the poker game Data is visually different deliberately than um, painting data, yes. for example, under the tree. Um, a lot of people, I, I suspect, wouldn't notice it, but it, it's just... It, it, this was an artful first episode. I agree. Um, and it took nothing away from the... I, I want to watch the hell out of this. I want to watch the hell out of this ten times over already, and it's only just started. I'm fully, rather predictably, all in. Yeah. Uh yeah, I was just by the time this was done, I was in love with this episode. Mm. Uh, it was pretty much everything I wanted, and then stuff I didn't know I wanted. Uh, <laughs> they gave it to me. Uh, I mean, from the get go, uh, they like smash you with some nostalgia because you just get a beautiful shot of the Enterprise D as it's mm. Picard and Data playing poker in 10 forward, but it's in a dream. Um, they didn't go Marvel. They didn't spend that Marvel money on de-aging him to make it like a flashback. They just Thank God. they just made it a dream. Um, but, like, that's the opening. Uh, well, actually, the real opening bit is they started with Blue Skies, which is the song that Data sang at Riker and Troy's wedding, uh, and, and during Star Trek Nemesis, which gets referenced in this episode more than I thought it would, considering how well they don't discard it. They're not. They're not trying to separate themselves from. No, it wasn't the, a great movie, movie franchise, but it happened. No, 
Yeah, and, and to be fair, if you're going to have a show where I think most people are predicting the Tal Shiar are going to be probably the main uh, antagonists here, not the Borg, if the Tal Shiar are the main antagonist, you can't ignore Nemesis because no. the Tal Shiar were the biggest opponents of Shinzan, and like it or not, Picard's the person who saved the day, so yep. you can't ignore it. Yep. It doesn't make sense in the history. But I mean, the the, the show just begins with even though it's a dream, it's a very next-gen scene where Picard is telling Data about how he knows when he's bluffing. Because Data's not good at bluffing, so he tries to make him think that he's bluffing, and it's when he doesn't look like he's doing anything at all is when he's bluffing. Uh, like, that just felt like pure next-gen to me. But yeah, there the the moment where I just felt like I was right back in, like, right back at home with that comfort blanket uh, of of Star Trek or the Star Trek I grew up with. Um, and, of course, not to say anything, you can go back and listen to the other uh, episodes of this podcast, which we will, in fact, implore you to do at the end of this podcast because that's how we close all of them. But uh, we're fans of Discovery as well, so it's not that New Trek is bad, but this is just a warm blanket. This is the warm blanket of Star Trek that I fondly remember. And when he's getting roasted he does the, he does this news interview apparently he does very few interviews and he is supposed to be talking about the Romulan supernova and it's clear that um like there are shades of Star Trek 6 in here when the when Praxis exploded and the Klingons are on the verge of dying uh except this time it's not Kirk saying let them die it kind of felt like this woman was speaking for Earth or the Federation of Planets, and they're like, yeah, but it, they're Romulans. Uh, and Picard was like, no, they're just just lives, not Romulan lives. The just Federation's lives. got a touch of nasty about it, which yeah. Picard is obviously not liking the taste he, of. Yeah, well, he kind of goes off on the Federation. He's like, the Federation has changed. They're not the Federation anymore. They don't stick to the values that they say they do. And, uh, you know, when they were, you were talking about how this show is not afraid to be political. This is very clearly, I mean, it depends on which country you're from, but sitting where I'm sitting, you know, he's saying, saying, he's saying the United States is not what it used to be. It's not what we say we are. Uh, the Romulans are refugees or people seeking asylum. We said that we would help you, but we turned our backs on you. Uh, Mm. The synthetics could, I'm not positive. We haven't delved too far into that story yet, but the synthetics based off of the fact that we know that data is fairly well liked, but people are a little off putty about androids. Even in next gen, we ran into some people who were like androids I play an uh, apple. <laughs> uh, so it's like we know one or two good androids, but for the most part, we're pretty wary of them. And then as soon as the androids attack or do something, it's ban all androids, which is pretty similar to how the United States treats Muslims. So, mm-hmm. uh, the- and if you're if you're American and you're feeling particularly attacked right now, let me tell you, the UK is on exactly the same page. <laughs> yes. I'm looking out at a stretch of water that's had more people die in it during peacetime in the last five years as a result of yes. us deciding not to save them crossing it than yeah. um, any point in our history. So that's fun. I mean, I would wager most people who watch Star Trek or Star Trek Picard 
already agree that yes, it's not what it yeah. used to be. We need to do better. And it was so bad for him that he left, he retired and left and just disconnected himself uh, mm-hmm. from the Federation. And that's always been Picard though. Like immediately that, that hit for me. That's always been him. He, if Star Trek, if Starfleet has always done something that he thought was just beyond the pale or more morally questionable, he'll disregard orders. He'll tell them to their face that this is wrong. We can't do this. And it sounds like, you know, the final straw for him. And he, and he left this far. No father. That's right. No father. Uh, I, I loved all that. I thought his performance was excellent. I thought the performances of everybody in this show were actually quite good. Uh, I even liked, I mean, we got like the briefest of brief, but uh, Dodge's boyfriend made himself fairly likable within a short span of time for me. Uh, he did, didn't he? At yeah. least to the point where when he gets killed, I'm like, oh, what? What is happening? Uh, mm. You know, and that quickly turned into more what when she just, went insane and, you know, killed all these guys. But, uh, so the, the, here's the thing that I'm getting from this. Cause, uh, we've set up this, this Bruce Maddox mystery. Cause he has mentioned multiple times in this episode. Uh, and it's mentioned that he's gone missing. Nobody knows where he We're- is. We all remember he's a douchebag, right? So no one needs to recap on who Maddox is. Well, he was a douchebag in Measure of a Man, but by the end of Measure of a Man, he was kind of like, okay, I think I was wrong. And then in mm. date... And you like, still wouldn't take his number if he tried to give you in a nightclub, mate. <laughs> and, you know, in, date, in Data's day, uh, you know, he's communicating with Bruce Maddox, like telling him all about his stuff and encouraging him to keep doing his, his research. So... Uh, like Dodge or it would be Soji now because Dodge has yeah. exploded. Uh, but it feels to me less like Data's daughter in so much as like, she doesn't remind me of Lal, like Data created it. No. It sounds like they were created from a shard of Data's positronic matrix. Like there's a, an essence a of an essence of Data Presumably something they took from like B four, I would mm-hmm. wager because we see freaking B four in this, although he's in pieces, but we see it, uh, and was used to create data. And Picard, I think, in this episode, uh, theorizes that perhaps Maddox used the painting as the template because Data had painted it and titled yeah. it Daughter. Because uh, at first it sort of treated like. Data made this painting of this girl in the past, and that's who it is now. Like, what sort of like time travel y stuff is happening? But then they sort of explain it. But then why does she have memories? Yeah, they sort of explain it near the end. So she's got bits and pieces of memories of Data in there a little bit, which is why she's drawn to Picard and goes there for safety. Um, I'm sure we'll probably learn something a bit more about Daj's mother because we get a brief moment with her as well, but she's very much like, go go back to Picard, and she's like, I didn't even tell you about that. How do you know about any of this? So she's clearly connected in with all of this. I presume that there's something between her and Maddox and the synthetic attack on Mars, and there's a whole... And the empty lab. Yes, and the empty lab. There's a whole bigger picture 
there. And then, of course, whatever is going on with the Romulans and the Borg Cube. And obviously, I'm sure that's our entryway for Seven of Nine and for Hugh to eventually show up. I mean, all of those big characters, none of them appeared in this episode. Um, so they're... Well, that's what I mean by them not rushing into it. Yeah, they're holding back. As much bit. as I would dearly have loved to, to have seen Jerry Ryan in full ass-kicking form that we see in the trailer, mm-hmm. um, it excites me more that she wasn't in the first episode. There's yeah. nothing worse than a series that you've got such anticipation, uh, anticipation for. I just gave you all of it up front. In episode one. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, you don't want to blow it all in the, in the first episode. Uh, no. at all. But yeah, I, I thought this, uh, this episode looked great. I thought they gave you just enough nostalgia. Uh, mm. like when he goes to the archives and he kept the Captain Picard day banner. Like, that's of course just, he did. That's like the sweetest thing of all time. Like, I love that. Um, and you got like a little model of like the stargazer and the enterprise E. I think there's a model of that. He didn't in there. keep any of, he didn't keep any of the models though, like the, the clay model or the like articulated limbed, um, yeah, little I was kind of hoping. His, I think that's disappointing. I was kind of hoping his fish tank would be in there. Mm, that's true, but mm. alas. Um, uh, so they gave you that. They gave you like the shot of the Enterprise. Of course, the stuff with Data was all in dreams. Uh, yeah. I think a lot of us thought they were going to adhere to the countdown comics. Uh, that they did for the yes. 2009 Star Trek movie where the memory transfer between Data and B4 worked and B4 essentially was just Data. Uh, and that's who we'd be looking at in this show. But uh, in this show, they're like, no, Data tried to do that, but it didn't work. Yeah, they pretty much shot that down straight away, didn't they? Yeah, it failed. They're just like, B4 was dumb and it didn't work. Uh so they got rid of that. And the data we saw was in dreams. And I got to say for me, the best nostalgia push, the best nostalgia button was, uh, the second dream with Picard and data. Cause they're in like the yeah. next gen series uniforms and Picard is older obviously now, but they do this, uh, shot from the side where it's just far yeah. enough away where you can't really tell. And it just looks like, the old show for like just a minute uh, uh, and the tweak of um brent's makeup in that as well that i mean it's yeah it made it look it's a little subtle more if you're like, not looking for it but if you know yes. if you know these characters that well you will spot the difference and if you put them side by side it's really obvious if you look at the faces on the first yeah. um dream i thought he second. looked way more like next gen data in that particular oh, yeah, yeah, totally. um in that particular scene, but yeah, I, I think it's just, probably a full on. Uh, and he, of course, was great. I mean, he didn't have much to do, which I'm sure he must have loved that. All those hours of makeup, and he gets to just do like a few lines, uh, and that's it. But he was. They had great to remember how to play data, which is not um, probably that easy. Yeah, I just I thoroughly enjoyed everything. I love the 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 mystery we've got here. I can't wait to see uh, how all of this stuff ties into one another. Of course, uh, before this episode even aired, uh, they announced that uh, the show's been renewed for a second season already. So Featuring Guinan, featuring Whoopi Goldberg. Yeah, did you, so did you see the clip? I, I know, yeah, I know you From saw the, the clip. From The View, yeah. I just, I thought that was awesome. So, Patrick Stewart was on The View, which, uh, w- uh, of which Whoopi Goldberg is a, uh, one of the hosts. 
and he just said for British uh, for British listeners, the view is probably most comparable to loose women on ITV. If you're looking for a uh, yes uh, analogy, uh, and he uh, just was talking to her about the well, he's talking to everybody about the show, but he essentially said, "Look, uh, hey, Whoopi, uh, we we you know I've talked with everybody who is a uh, part of making the show. Uh, he's like of which, uh, of course, I am part of." as well and we want to invite you to be a part of season two and this crowd just lost their mind she had like a smile on her face for like three straight minutes uh they Hmm. embraced and i'm like this is awesome yes of course like how could you do uh a picard show without guinan obviously they have such a strong relationship of course they've got to do something with it and Yes, uh, it looks like they're gonna, and I'm pretty sure by the time this show is done, they're gonna get like everybody they can from like every Star Trek to appear in this show if they can. So I keep saying it, but um, Kate Mulgrew's gone very quiet, mm-hmm. like in terms of her social media presence, in terms of interviews. And I know sometimes she does, but she's gone real quiet. Mm-hmm. Um, Alice Krieg, um, there was a rumor from somebody this was hanging around the, the conference, um, sorry, convention yeah. circuit recently, um, that she, not in season one, but in season two, uh, that she almost certainly now is going to have a part in. That'd be um, great as well. So, of course, the board queen from yeah. uh, First Contact and I believe at least a couple of episodes of Voyager. Was she the board queen oh, for yes. the finale? friend game i believe she was yes she wasn't the board queen in when she appeared earlier although they got somebody who looked very similar and sounded very similar to her but yeah i mean it was it was a good impression yeah. um but yeah they got real alice krieg for the uh the finale i believe uh she did they did indeed in 2001 yeah uh, which is interesting because of course again most common theory is that uh hugh and seven are the the sort of leaders of a uh, sort of subspecies of Borg who are sort of ex-Borg, recovering yes. Borg. Yes. Um, and, you know, Seven's become their leader. Um, the only other thing I can... Borg, yeah, yeah. Um, the only kind of other inverted commas spoiler um, that I've picked up so far from interviews where people have said things they shouldn't have said mm. uh, relates, and I think we can probably get away with this one on the show, but unless you're really sensitive, in which case, skip. 30 seconds um number one by which i mean picard's number one as in the dog yes uh picard very much um uh, has given the game away in so much as uh, on graham norton's show uh, patrick stewart observed that something horrendous might happen to his dog oh man um, come presently. on yeah it's a pit boy look if if this results it'll put up a fight if this results in Jean-Luc Picard becoming John Wick, if he turns into John Wick Picard... Well, exactly, John Wick. <laughs> <laughs> it's a nice idea. <laughs> Thank you. I, I want to see that so bad, but we'll see. He also said, incidentally, he doesn't drink Earl Grey, Patrick Stewart. Just not his thing. Um, no, he said, I don't drink Earl Grey tea. I'm not an aristocrat. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. Hey, okay. I did enjoy that he switched to decaf, though. I um, thought, yes, I thought that was a nice touch. Uh, yeah, Kate Mulgrew went, went to prove, because she gave up coffee, and that didn't work out well for her, if you remember right. No, it did not. Um, mm. 
Yeah, I mean, even, like, all those little... I mean, this was... I was having so much fun with this show. Like, all those little things. Just, you know, when he's, like, T, Earl Grey, D... And instead of, like, hot, he's, like, decaf. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm like, oh, man, the times have changed indeed. Uh, <laughs> at least he didn't say with ice. Like, you know, then, then he's... They're just yeah, fucking. Yeah. Then they're just fucking with us. Um, yeah, yeah. But I, I just love this show. I think this episode was just brilliantly crafted. Uh, everything was carefully written. It felt like and was acted uh, seamlessly. I, I think I would agree with you about that one visual effect shot. But uh, for the rest, I thought everything looked really good and was just. It, I mean, it doesn't look like next gen because it's just, it's not gonna. Uh, the way we it's make. It's so cinematic. Yeah, the way we make TV is so much more different than in the late 80s and the 90s. Like, it's just the not. The television people. Right. It's, yeah, it's just not gonna look like that. Um, you know, I knew some people who were, uh, you know, questioning, like, the whole Starfleet news. Thing. Like, is that a thing yeah. that would still be around? But yeah, they they reintroduced that idea in Deep Space Nine that Jake Cisco is mm. right writing for the news. So clearly, if he's writing still, and people are reading news, people will still be watching video broadcasts of news. They just won't be Military watching it on propaganda. A, yeah, they just won't be watching it on a. They just won't be watching it on a television uh, unless you're Tom Paris. Uh, they'll find other ways to to you know they'll put it on their view screens on their um on their windows or whatever uh they well, do old media exists still well into the future sure. um i mean vulcans don't allow their sacred text to be converted into digital format so sure. you know maybe that's how people feel about military propaganda yeah i mean we saw picard with books frequently in next gen mm. so books are still a thing like that didn't surprise me and i you know uh and i'm i wasn't too surprised to see some people upset that like starfleet instead of progressing has regressed Mm. but i feel like they're really gonna they're really trying for like a mirror of our time and the people who well kurtzman's trying to justify the discovery um starting point i think a little bit as well and i don't blame him he's filling in a blank Yes, he is. Yes, there's just empty space there. And except if you play Star Trek Online, where you can see what happens. <laughs> of and Ben will not rest until the Iconians return in the flesh on a television show. I'm telling you now. Well, even if they're, if not in the flesh, you're going to struggle to explain if the Toshi are, are the antagonists. You're going to struggle to explain what happens at the end of at least this season, or maybe the next one, mm-hmm. if you don't involve an Iconian gateway. Mm-hmm. Because if they're keeping true to what I think they're probably going to aim for in this storyline, then you're going to see an Iconian gateway. You may not see any Iconians. I mean, to be fair, the fight scenes with, especially the second fight scene at Starfleet headquarters with mm-hmm. with the Romulan agents, where these mm-hmm. guys were like appearing and disappearing. Like, I think they were maybe supposed to get the vague idea that they were like being beamed, but... Um, like when he jumps off the, or when he gets knocked off the side of the steps, and yes. he's falling and beams out. Yeah. But it certainly felt more like something. It, it, I wasn't thinking about an Iconian gateway, but it certainly felt more similar to that. Like we've seen transporters before, 
and guys don't yeah. usually zip in and out like that. Uh, and these no. guys were kind of like zipping in and out, which uh, made for a really cool fight scene. But also, I'm like, I'm not sure these guys are actually being transported in and out. Uh, mm. So we shall see. But yeah, I'm I'm very excited for everything that they set up. Uh, in I mean, I, I take we're definitely calling that because of when this is set. Um, this has got to be. I know, obviously, there is a Borg factor to this season, but mm-hmm. this show, this season at least, is about the the Romulans and what happened after the the at least notional fall of the Romulan Empire. Yeah, almost certainly. Yeah, I, I would yeah. think so. Uh, Brush I, up on your Toshiar kids. That's right. Uh, Jolan True, everyone. Uh, mm-hmm. That's the only Romulan I know. Uh, okay, so that's the only uh, bit they want you to know. That's it. Yes. <laughs> any any more, they'd have to kill you for knowing. Uh, yeah. Any final thoughts, Ben? And if not, what would you give Remembrance? Um, no final thoughts. I think we've uh, taken Set. everything we can from that. Um, uh, do you know? I'm gonna I'm gonna be calm and rational and say, as much as I love this, steady start three and a half because I think we need to leave some headroom for what I suspect is going to be one of the best bits of Star mm-hmm. Trek television ever made. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I thought I was being calm and rational because I'm like, okay, don't start by giving it five. Because <laughs> I wanted to so bad. Recalibrate here. I know so did I, but recalibrate. Come on. I watched this episode, and when it was done, I immediately wanted to watch it again. I had other mm-hmm. things to do, so I tried really hard to just not watch it again. I'm watching it again tonight, just FYI. I was sitting there the day after we watched this feeling bad because I couldn't watch the second episode. Uh, mm-hmm. It's like, for once in my life, can we just put them all up there and let's just, let's, let me just binge it, please. Uh, yeah, but, but we would never leave the house for at least a month. No, and then I'd feel even worse because I'd watch everything in like an eight-hour span or whatever. And then I'd be like, yeah. damn it, now it's done. So Then I'm, you'd feel compelled to go back and watch the referenced Next Gen and other episodes and then go back and watch the whole thing again. Yes. So I know you. So I've I eased back on this, Ben. I tried mm. to keep a cool head and oh, I went about four and a half, right? I went, I went four and a half, yes, you're correct. <laughs> uh, well, I don't know what you're gonna do <laughs> when by episode three we are knee deep in in Iconians and Tashiar and Borg, in they're all five former Geeky cast Glasses members episodes. from yes, exactly. I mean, I don't know what you're going to have to do. We're going to have to recalibrate your glasses. <laughs> I may, I may need some new future glasses or something. We may have to expand. Mm. We may have to expand the glasses. We may have to get <gasps> like uh, fractal geeky glasses. That's right. We may have to. We may have to start including fractals into our scores. Sounds uh, cool. Okay, so uh, paging Doctor Mandelbrot. That's a fractal joke for anyone who enjoys those. Yeah, <laughs> That is the episode for this week. Uh, head on over to cinemageekly.com uh, to check out the archives of this show. Uh, and of course, uh, you can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Stitcher, and Spotify. Just search for I'm a Doctor, not a podcast. We're going to go pick up uh, Lieutenant Commander Aurora Bubaloo and uh, have her uh, on board, uh, I presume, for... Season 1, Episode 2 of Star Trek Picard. It's called Maps and Legends. 